because I have a pious and righteous life. That's why I have my calling. Because of my righteous living, this also leads me to be thankful that I am not like God, thank you that I'm not like these conservative Republicans. Thank God I'm not like the people who go to this same school. Thank God I'm not like the people who go to this school. And thank God I'm not like the people who live here. Thank God I am not the person who has to pay taxes on this home. Thank God I'm not like the people who would go to this bar. And thank God I'm not like the people who live here. And thank God I'm not like the kind of people who work for this organization. Thank God I'm not like the people who come to this place. And thank God I'm not a girl. And I thank God that I'm not like this Pharisee. God, thank you that I'm not like this raccoon. God, I thank you that I was never a student at this high school. And I can thank God because of my scorecard. Because of how righteous I am. Okay, you sort of get to feel the sense of this scripture text this morning. Yeah, it's tongue-in-cheek, we're all laughing. But how true are some of these things? Um, today's passage, a parable. It says it's a parable. And yet, it's pretty straightforward, this parable. For Jesus even offers, at the very beginning, to some who are confident of their righteousness, of their own righteousness, and look down on everyone else. Jesus told them this parable. He sort of just frames it right here. This is what it's about. He's not, you know, usually with parables, you kind of uncover some, some deeper meaning, potentially. Um, and in this story, we have two characters. It's pretty simple. We have a Pharisee who gets it, so he thinks spiritually. And we have a tax collector who recognizes his own need for mercy. The Pharisee, depending on himself. The tax collector, depending on God's mercy. Another way uh, the Pharisee has missed it is that not only think, uh, he not only thinks so highly of himself, um, he's justified himself through his good works, he adds insult to injury, or is it injury to insult? I've never known. <laughs> which, way, which way is it? Injury to insult? In okay, thank you. Now I can go on. <laughs> And looking down on robbers, evildoers, adulterers, and even this tax collector. Now, it would be great this morning, wouldn't it be just fantastic, if this were only a Pharisee problem? Wouldn't it be great? Um, Luke 12, Luke 12 uh, a bit earlier in the gospel, says, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. We all, at, at points in our life, um, we've had the yeast of the Pharisees in our minds, in our hearts, and in our lives. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. Now, for a little bit of context, the very next story in Luke, right after this, uh, the disciples sort of, you know, shoo away the, the little children. No, 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 no. And Jesus says, let the, let, let the little children come to me yeast of the Pharisees. Okay. It's easy this morning, it's, there's an easy tendency this morning for us to pause and to consider, well, am I the Pharisee or am I the tax collector? 
who do I most identify with? I think the short answer is, yep. Thank you. We kind of go back and forth, don't we? Anyone? Um, yeah, these two represent opposite ends of, a, of both a social and a spiritual spectrum. The Pharisee respected close to God, lists his holy practices, fasting and giving. The tax collector is despised, far from God, has nothing to offer by the way of good deeds. Uh, he has nothing on his scorecard to prove that. So in reality, um, at, any, at any given moment, we can be found on anywhere on this line. Maybe some days we're, we feel tax collector-ish. And then on Sunday, <laughs> Pharisee time, right? Anyone? Are we preaching yet? You good? Okay. Now, before we are too hard on this poor Pharisee, we do see prayers like this in Psalms. Though, my, though, though you probe my heart, though you examine me at night and test me, you will find that I have planned no evil. My mouth has not transgressed. Though people try to bribe me, these evildoers, I have kept myself from the ways of the violent through, um, through what your lips have commanded. My steps have held, your paths, uh, held to your paths. My feet have not stumbled. A little bit later in the same uh, psalm, the same prayer, Rise up, Lord, confront them, bring them down with your sword. Rescue me from the wicked, these robbers, these adulterers. By your hand, save me from such people, Lord, from those of this world, uh, from those of this world whose reward is in this life. May what you have stored up for the wicked fill their bellies. May their children gorge themselves on it. And may there be leftovers for their little children. A little intense. It's a little intense. So, but this Pharisee that brings this prayer to the a prayer like this to the temple. Sound familiar? So the Pharisee is praying in ways that perhaps he has been even just taught before by going to the temple. Can't blame this man. Um, for this is how people related to the divine at this point in human history. Then I begin to wonder about this particular prayer from the Pharisee, going on and on and on about who he is not like, going on and on about who he is not like, that he is different, that he is unique, that he spends his time and his resources in ways that are more holy and more pious than others. I begin to wonder at a deeper level, level if perhaps the Pharisee is not trying to convince God of his good works or try to convince God who he is not. Maybe he's trying to convince himself who he is not. Is his prayer directed towards God or himself? Is he not just merely describing his faith practices so that he can add it to his scorecard? When we, when I, have my mind on a scorecard, both my scorecard and others, if you've ever golfed with my twin brother, you have to keep his eye on his scorecard. Okay. You have to keep an eye on mine, too, just to be fair, right, because we're so competitive. But, but the score, if the scorecards become the most important thing, 
more important than how we play the game. I wonder if we also have the tendency to slip into a denial of what's actually behind this portrait. The Pharisee is really good at this game. He's dominating at life. After all, he's a good and faithful Jew. He's a Pharisee. He possesses all the right answers. He has the reputation. He knows the doctrine. He has practices to prove that he is devoted to God. So I guess when you have it all, maybe when you have all the right answers, you really don't need much else. Therefore, you may not really need God either. Maybe for the Pharisee, he just felt there was no need for much else because he's got it figured out. This is a central problem of the Pharisee. Um, he has established his own righteousness, and he does not need God. Remember that Luke describes Jesus' audience as those who trusted in themselves, trusted in themselves, that they were righteous. I think that, that the Pharisee is praying only to look for affirmation for how good he is and that he is not like others. Now, on the outside, the Pharisee and the tax collector, they look much different, socially, spiritually, right? Opposite ends of a spectrum. But we just have to ask, you know, a question, like, how different are they? Really, how different after all, they have a shared humanity. And in fact, everyone gathered in this room, also, we have a shared humanity. We all, at some level, live with this thing called a false self. A self that wants to operate apart from God. A sinful self. A self that wants prominence. A self that wants to take over a self that is in love with our ego, what's on the outside, and cont continually seeks to build up our ego. So this morning, as I just read this short parable from Jesus, I, I think the Pharisee does not have a good understanding. He, he's not self-aware. He isn't aware of his false self-tendency, and it's caused him to be sort of maybe trapped up into the sins of pride, arrogance, and hypocrisy. The tax collector, on the other hand, a little more self-aware, knows deeply his own need for mercy. Because of this awareness, it opens the door for the tax collector. It gives birth to the ability to seek mercy, while the Pharisee needs, has no need for such mercy. Why? Because he's got a full grasp. It's kept him blind to that reality. It's precisely that um, because he can't see through his ego, his scorecard, that he just can't see or notice others. Therefore, empathy for the other, just isn't possible. So this morning, as and throughout the week, as I pause to consider my own scorecard, 
In what ways has it blinded me to others? In what ways has it blinded me to robbers, evildoers, adulterers, tax collectors, to those on the other side of the political aisle, to those in poverty, people from other faith traditions, the immigrants, people from the LGBT community, Bears fans. How have my righteous deeds blinded me? I've had to sit with this all week. You, I invite you to also sit with it this morning. What would it look like to lose the judgmental, barefooted spirit? We have the human tendency to trust ourselves, seeking ourselves or seeing ourselves as righteous while at the same time, because of that, labeling the other, looking down on others with great contempt. We may not verbalize it and pray it, but in an honest moment, some of it's there. Pharisee only sees the external, the fact that this guy is a tax collector. And I would suppose that he has no idea who this person is. He has no idea of this man's story. No idea that maybe this man, this tax collector, originally had hopes and dreams of living a different kind of life. No idea of this man's maybe potential pain or suffering. I wonder what it is like to be a tax I wonder what it is like to be in their shoes. I mean, do they enjoy ripping people off? Or are they forced into it by Rome? I wonder if they ever want to leave this way of living. So perhaps an invitation not just for us, for us not just to wonder about it, I wonder what their life is like and wonder what their story is. But maybe an invitation to go and to build relationship with that other, whomever that other might be. What is your story? What are your joys and your sorrows? What have you experienced in your life that's brought hurt? What is it that you desire for your family? Because when we open our lives up to the lives of others or the other, we won't have the desire to pray like this example from the Pharisee. We would not stand off by ourselves, keeping others at a distance, thanking God that we're not like them. God does the same thing for Jesus. But if Jesus was just fine hanging out in heaven, doing his creative thing, enjoying the fruits of his work, fruits of heaven. But in Jesus, God chose to enter in and, enjoy, and join humanity in our shoes. To understand what it's like to be human. 
to stand in solidarity with us and for us, to have a, um, a deeper sense of empathy and compassion for us by experiencing the reality of the human condition. He ate with us. Jesus ate with us. He celebrated with us. Shared joy with us. Jesus cried with us. He walked with us. And now he advocates for us as he sits at God's right hand. I think it's an Irish prayer. There's an old prayer that um, goes like this, and I think it goes, May the Christ in me see and honor the Christ in us. And may the Christ in you see and honor the Christ in me. It's an invitation to pray this in humility as we go about our week. I do have two questions that we'll pause and consider as we close. In what ways have I, due to my own religious piety, to my scorecard, been blinded to my shared humanity with all people? question to ponder is, in what ways am I in need of fresh mercy? with a quote from a Catholic priest. When I say, have mercy on me, a sinner, I unite myself with all human beings from the beginning of the world who have experienced separation from, from God. I realize that as human beings, we are separated from God, the source of our being. We are wandering in a world of shadows, mistaking the outward appearance of people and things, for the reality. But at all times, something is pressing us to reach out beyond the shadows to face the realities and truth, the inner meaning of our lives, and so to find God, the mystery which enfolds us.
what we pray when we pray for mercy. We could simply say, simply say, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner, as this man does today. We don't need to exalt ourselves. The marvelous thing is that as soon as we stand humbly before God, through faith, God has mercy. Let's stand and sing together. Will you, will you let me be with you as we worship? One, two, and five.